from a radio studio on Long Island, New York. Come two diehard fans of the greatest rock and roll band hailing from Hollywood, California. Dissecting all things Guns N' Roses and anything else in their distorted minds, it's Brando and Scotto. And this is Appetite for Distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion. My name is Brando. With me, as always, is my partner in perfect crime, Ian, comma, Scott. I don't know I got that backwards. Uh, Scotto, comma, Ian. Yeah, whichever. Ian Scotto here, and but it's Brando and Scotto, because it sounds good. Um, dude, I'm psyched for this episode. We, You and I have actually talked about, or you know, me specifically, I've said, we got to get Stevie Rochelle from Tough from Metal Sludge on the podcast. And every week something came up. He was doing a show. He's a busy man. But this this week we have him, and I'm fucking psyched. He's like the the Matt Damon to Jimmy Kimmel. Like, oh, sorry, we couldn't get you on this week. But <laughs> I actually, you know, and I'll I'll tell him I'm, I wasn't that familiar. I'm familiar with his work on Metal Sludge, and you laughed because I'm like, oh. Is that the website where they talk about all the rock stars' penis <laughs> sizes? And, and that's what I know. I guess that's why it became famous back in the day. I don't know. I know you followed it for a while, and yeah. you know it for the the proper internet magazine that it is. It's um, a, it's a few things. I, it's a, it's a, yeah. it's more than that. But that's just because I have apparently uh, a lot of therapeutic issues I still have yet to work out. That's what I remember it for. Like, the the a, way I would describe it, honestly, is it's like the TMZ. For like hair bands, including hair bands that people don't give a shit about anymore. Like you know, if if you were wondering what happened to the old lead singer of Britney Fox, like <laughs> this is the only website Did covering it. Old it. lead singer? I, was like, <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. So, I, which I think is cool because I I'm we as we've established, and I really didn't think there could be a bigger hair metal fan in uh, their young 30s than me and i'm like an average one but you are pretty hardcore with it so that's why you you know more so i'm glad um you reached out so we're going to get him on in just a little bit yeah. i'm looking forward to that interview. and i will say i have nothing on on james moresca aka at rock nation radio on twitter so there's a plug for him he is like the biggest hair metal fan under 30 that i know nice yeah hey i was listening to, to um, some cinderella's this morning on my pandora Dude, I dig it, man. Nothing wrong with that. No, there isn't. It's just like I got to be in the mood for it. Which reminds me, I got to ask Stevie, you know, his opinion. Is Guns N' Roses a hair band? I'd like to hear his take on it. Yeah, because you look at, uh, I mean, if you follow us on Facebook and Twitter, we, uh, we like to take part of the Throwback Thursdays, and a lot of the throwbacks have them all with the, the big hair, especially Duff and Axel. I mean, Slash has always had that. I guess I don't. I don't want to call it a Jufro, but it's pretty. It's it's not an Afro. It's something. You know, it's just like a, a, a Jerry curl. <laughs> he yeah. uses that so glow, or whatever. So yeah, they <laughs> they might have been a hair band uh, to start. Uh, so, and also, I would like to get his definition on on what a hair band is because there aren't. They don't like being called that, from what I understand. Bands of that era. Yeah, but it's there's just, a stigma it's, attached. It's a, yeah, it's a specific thing. I think a lot of. Um, a lot of bands don't embrace that type of thing, though. Like, I think a lot of bands from the early 90s wouldn't want to be called grunge. You know, Nirvana doesn't sound like Pearl right. Jam, which doesn't sound like Soundgarden, which doesn't sound like Alice in Chains. Like to they- some people, when you're not a fan, it does. Because remember back in the day, 
And I think Ricky Rackman uh, gave uh, Scott Weiland an SDP shit that they sounded like everybody else. And to us, they don't. No. But if you listen to bands that era, if you're not a big fan, you're like, this sounds like everything else. I don't know. And maybe I can parlay it into how I am with some of the, the younger music. I mean, they all sound the same to me. And I really try. Even like today's country, it all sounds the same to me. Yeah, I understand uh, that. But so we'll, we'll talk to him about that. And also, you know, he'll, he'll have a lot to say about Guns N' Roses and, you know, looking forward to seeing, uh, hearing his opinion. And speaking of the band, oh, and I do want to mention, which we'll go into Guns N' Roses, because last night, um, as we're recording this, I saw ZZ Top, and it was my first concert that I've been to since seeing Guns N' Roses at MetLife, and I had much better seats. And I, I loved, I liked the Guns N' Roses show more, even though ZZ Top kicked ass. I mean, they're, they are legends. Sure. The, the youngest is Billy Gibbons, who's 66. Both uh, Mr. Beard who is the only one without a beard. Yeah. And, um, oh my God, why am I forgetting his name? Look it up, but I, I do Dusty get Hill, what, Dusty Hill. Okay, right. but uh, I think what you're saying, though, because I've had this, that when you see Guns N' Roses, you're completely spoiled. Like, there's no concert that compares for me. Well, I'm not even going to that point uh, where I'm a bigger fan of the GNR catalog and the band, where it's the GNR show, even without the Slash, uh, the Slash, uh, with the pyro <laughs> and them all running around. yes. Uh, and I mentioned the ages for a reason of ZZ Top. They're at least a decade older than the guys from GNR. It's just them just standing there, rocking, occasionally doing that. That's what, always they, what they've done. They've always done that, but it was just a, a unique experience to see. And their only sort of ambiance they had was like it seemed like it went on the entire show was the smoke machine. And that was it, just the contrast of, of just GNR. So uh, I just wanted to bring that up because it's just interesting what GNR brings to the stage. Um, but GNR now. Uh, of course, they're they're waiting to go um, down, uh, to the South America. They got to go to overseas. Yep. But right now, Axel is with uh, ACDC doing some shows, getting good reviews. They're going to be here in New York next week. But the big news with uh, Guns N' Roses was that we heard from Axel and Duff. Yep. Like, wow. I mean, the last time, you know what? Maybe you want to tell, uh, kind of. And I'll get the same thing with with, with Stevie, especially because you mentioned how like bands like Dokken, they're more successful overseas. That Axel did kind of like an interview session a few months back, if you remember, at some sort of learning annex in China. Yeah, 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 which was strange. Yeah, very strange. And now probably a good payday. Yeah, and then now he does an interview in 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 what Brazil? I I didn't see where it was to be honest. I think it was in uh, Brazil. It was. Yeah, it was a Fantastico Globo. Yeah, it was an interview. So it's it's crazy. So just to see them both there and alive and talking about the, the, the band for the first time since the reunion happened. Um, and we'll get into a clip in a second about what the... And there will be, uh, we have a lot of clips that we'll, we'll hopefully get to uh, throughout the show um, about what the, uh, the plans are with Stephen and Izzy. And... Well, yeah, let's, let's play that clip first and then the reaction that Izzy had via Twitter. So let's, if you haven't heard, so let's set the stage kind of sort of in, in real time. Steven did join us. Yeah. Oh, he did? did. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, it was, it was Steven that joined us. I, I don't, I you know, Steven, sorry. Um, at, at the same time, I have no idea. I mean, it, it's a, uh, mm -hmm. when this started, um, Steven had just had back surgery and stuff. Yeah. And, uh. So I, I don't I don't have any idea about that. I um, and with with Izzy, that's just something that I can't really 
describe to say I don't really know what to say about Izzy it's like you know you, you could have a conversation and think it's one way and the next day it's another way so and I'm not trying to take any shots at Izzy it's just you know his thing's kind of his thing whatever that is I don't know what your interpretation of that at the time was because I didn't I wouldn't have thought he was taking a shot. I was just like, okay, maybe he just like how he's always been. He may want to do a couple of shows. Maybe he doesn't. He's doing his own thing. Yeah. And it was really not much of anything, but that's how I interpreted it at the time. And also the fact that we saw Izzy on stage with Axel not that long ago. Right. You, you assume there's no hard feelings. Right. And we, we, you know, he was on stage with Velvet, so didn't really take much out of it. And then uh, before we get to uh, Mr. Stevie Rochelle, we got a tweet from Izzy, who's tweeted all but like well, four did. times. I don't, the, the way world? you said it, I don't. No, no, no. It's just, it's just I wonder if people are going to interpret. He tweeted at the AFD oh, show. I meant we. As <laughs> it a, would be cool if he did. I know the the collective we. He says bullshit. They didn't want to split the loot equally. Simple as that. Moving right along. Dot 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 dot. Wow. Yeah. Shots fired, man. Wow. Yeah, and I think that's actually a good segue into Stevie because it'll be interesting to hear his take. You know, he's a guy who's fronted a band called Tough that has changed their lineup a million times. They still do shows here and there. And it makes you wonder, you know, a lot of people wonder, is is it a team? Is it a equal partnership? Or are certain members of that team, like the LeBron James of the team, and just happen to be worth more because they're the big draw? I mean, if this reunited GNR, if you want to call them reunited, was... Izzy, Duff, and Axel, would the turnout be the same as mm-hmm. a Axel, uh, Axel, Slash, and Duff? You know, yeah. I think Slash is the big draw. It's, you know, that's what people are paying for. They were wondering where is Slash? Where, you know, I know that there's always the where is Izzy people, but I think where is Slash was the resonating thing yeah. throughout the years. Yeah, and uh, I completely agree. And that's our opinion. But what about them as supposed friends? So we'll see. So joining us on the show is a guy, as I said in the intro, that that I've wanted to have on for quite a few weeks, and he's just been doing so many gigs and that type of stuff, which I completely get, is uh, Stevie Rochelle, the founder of Metal Sludge, a website I've frequented for years, the uh, the lead singer of Tough, and so much more, man. So, you know, first of all, it's just an honor to have you on. There's been a lot of uh, talk about you recently, especially with, like, the little feuds with uh, Bobby Blotzer and stuff like that. Cool. Well, hey, man, thanks for having me. Uh, I've reached out and uh, got in touch with people I know, and I've done a few of these podcasts, but I haven't done a ton. And it's, it's, it's a cool medium, obviously, to get your get your word out, just because when you do terrestrial radio i think that's what you call it yeah yep. usually the dj is like hey man how are you got to gig this weekend cool where are you at well we're at the cool we'll see you there <laughs> you, know, and you can't even fucking say your name and they're already cutting you know your answers you know six eight words and they're ready to cut off and go to the next question and next thing you know they're into another segment so this is a good way to kind of for someone like me who's fucking full of hot air i can talk a little longer <laughs> <laughs> you know Make yourself at home, you know, take your pants off. You're not in studio, so that's okay with us. Just relax, relax. Right. Take as, long, as much time as you want. Um, you know, this is it's so funny for me, because when Ian and I started the, the, the show, I mean, we've both kind of, we're around the same age, Ian and I. I just turned 33, Ian's 30. And growing up, I mean, I've always been a metal fan and, and a hair metal fan, and we'll get into that term, that I've always been familiar with Metal Sludge, and it's cool to talk to the founder of that. 
But when Ian brought to my attention, oh, I got the guy from Metal Sludge on. It's like, oh, is that the uh, the website that talks about the, how big the rock stars' dicks are? <laughs> it's like he's like, that's what you know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think back in the, like in the early internet days, that for some reason, in my weird, weird uh, mentally chemical imbalanced mind, that's what I, I remember. And just reading the stories that that it was all out there. So I know you are a lot more than that. But I think isn't that what kind of initially got you some sort of fame? Because there's nothing else like it was like TMZ of rock before anything like that existed. Before the other websites like that existed. Yeah, you know. I and I'm know, sorry, I, that's the know, first I, question, by the way, about, about <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's it's all good. I mean, you know, are you asking is, is it metal sludge that made me get quote unquote fame, or are you saying is it is it the penis chart that made metal sludge fame? <laughs> I don't know. Is it maybe is it the uh, the penis chart? I think that 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 made the metal sludge a household name because uh, at least that. Well, th- yes, yes, and no. It absolutely was one of the one of the. The, the, the sections on the site or the blog or whatever you want to call it that really ended up getting a lot of attention. And I mean, when I say that, I mean, it got attention to the, to the level that segment, sections of it were printed, you know, in, God, a lot of magazines. Right. Like Rolling Stone, Playboy, Spin, I mean, around the globe. There was like, there was big, big publications that, gave us like a two or three page feature, you know, I mean, uh, unheard of, especially for anything hair band related in the late 90s, early 2000s. And, you know, they, they talked about the site, but they, you know, they obviously focused on the fact that, and it's not only a website that talks about, you know, who's who in 80s hair band rock and roll that are all dead or balding or doing whatever, <laughs> but and when I say dead, I meant, you know, dead in the water as far as their sure. career was concerned. But, you know, they also have these groupies that write in and talk about who's got a big schlong and, who's, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. So that absolutely was something that people were, you know, I don't know, mesmerized by or, like, intrigued by. Because, you know, going back to the summer of 1998, which is when Metal Sludge was born, I mean, that's, that's 18 years ago, you know, um, a long time and at that point the internet was in its you know to the to the majority of the world and you know america it was in its very very infant stages i think you still dial up had a website yeah nobody had a website few people had emails there was no such thing as uh youtube wasn't facebook myspace instagram i mean no, no other like major social networks I think the only thing that people became familiar with at that point was they were starting to hear that you've got mail, you know, and they were <laughs> yeah. like started to learn about how Yahoo worked or whatever. So, and honestly, me and and my my partner at the time, Sean, we, we didn't know about the internet either. We just knew it was something that was happening, and we, you know, <clears throat> decided to create this website and talk about the stuff that we were part of or that we loved or appreciated, but also found, um, found a, you know, a, a little bit of an avenue to, to have fun with it, you know, because it's funny. There's, there's a couple of different ways that people perceived us. I mean, in some ways, at some point, there was people that were like, these guys hate hair bands. These guys are 
dicks. And it was it was so not true. And and also for the people not totally familiar with the site, this is before they knew it was you behind the site. They didn't know it was a guy right. in, you know, a hairband that was relatively big, tough, you know, in the early 90s. Correct. And and so, you know, when we put it together, it wasn't like we just decided to do it one day and started it. Like we kind of, you know, for whatever it's worth, we kind of spitballed for a couple of weeks and we kind of, we made a plan. You know, we're like, this is what we're gonna do. This is what we're gonna do with it. This is how we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it uh, anonymously. We, we came to this realization that we were gonna absolutely, I call it busting balls, you know, talking shit, kicking people up the ass, whatever you wanna call it. We were going to expose some of the farce, some of the fraud that was the hairband era. And, and, and when I say that, I mean, you know, at one point, okay, guys are wearing hair extensions or wigs. Some guys' wigs are worse than the other guy. We're like, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna unload. We're going to make a Bosley's Hair Club for Men chart. We're going to list everybody that's got a hair problem. We're going to oh, wow. put it on there. You know? <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, but... Collectively, as many people as we were taken out, I also, even though I was one of the guys, I, I knew that I had to include myself in that chart, you know, because I was also one of those guys wearing a headband all the time, you know. And, so, and now who's um, completely bald. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I was willing to, 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 to dish it out, but also willing to take it. In other words, we'd also beat up on me. Cool. And, um, you know, so, you know, right out of the box, the one thing that we decided to do is that we were going to do it anonymously. And it was kind of like my, my analogy was we were like the masked magician. Remember the magician that went on TV yeah. and told all the secrets of the magic industry? I do. And, um, and then at one point when that first came out, too, there was like so many different little things that took place in this magic show. And it was like... Like, here's a, here's a great one. I remember seeing this, and I remember seeing this girl on stage, and he puts her in this box, and he throws a, you know, a, a blanket over it, and like five seconds later, he spins the box, and then, boom, the chick's like on the other side of the auditorium. And I was like, that's physically not possible. Like, how the fuck does he do that? You know? And then, at one point, and now, this is how we did it. And all of a sudden, they re-show everything in slow motion, and then next thing you know, they open a curtain, and two chicks walk out who are identical twins. Mm. One chick's in the box, the other chick's her twin sister. I was like, oh my God, that's the dumbest thing. Like, why would <laughs> nobody ever fucking think of that? Yeah. You know, like, it's a twin. Like, nobody's going to fucking know that, you know? So we were like, you know what, we're going to be like the mass magician. We're going to tell the secrets of the industry, which I knew a lot of stuff, because I live in L.A. for, you know, since the mid-80s, and I was friends with some of these bands and toured with them and had information I was privy to being, you know, related to these groups and signed and whatever. But we were going to be secretive as our identity. And, and, of course, it was so early on, you know, the whole thing of, like, Internet trolls or whatever they became to be known as, that, didn't even, that term didn't even exist at that point, I don't think. Right. Like, we were just two guys. We had a few other people that were kind of related, but it was mainly me and one other guy that just created this thing. And at one point we put it on the internet and slowly but surely it became the you know original social network for this kind of you know interest, hair bands, rock bands, the 80s, 
you know, MTV Headbangers Ball, Sunset Strip, you want, you know, th- that whole thing. And, and basically from there, it just, at one point it took off like wildfire, <laughs> you know? So, I, I guess um, two questions. Um, what right? made you decide to do the website? Because you were also in, in a band and that in, in itself is a career. And how come you wanted to be anonymous? Uh, did you want to be anonymous because you just didn't want the fame from it? You just wanted to create this living, breathing website that had its own attention and not bring the attention on you? Or, as you said, there weren't trolls out there, that, or were you still afraid of backlash? So I guess those are the two uh, things I, I, I well, question. Well, here, here's the first thing. The sure. first thing is I, I can honestly admit the reason this high idea popped in my head and I wanted to do it was my initial anger towards Jerry Miller, who was the editor of Metal Edge magazine. Now, you guys are only 30 and 33, so you remember Metal Edge, correct? I, yeah. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. And, and I will say, I also re- when I remember it, it was when the bands that were big were Korn and Limp Bizkit, and, and your era had kind of fallen off at that point, quite honestly. Okay, so previous to that, there was this woman who was the editor of the magazine for many years. And now I'm going to draw this analogy and equate it for younger people. But Jerry Miller was then kind of what Eddie Trunk is now. Hmm. And I say that, I don't really know Eddie that well, but he's obviously a guy that has a position right now in the industry with, you know, a big radio show and a lot of followers, and he's doing a lot of these type of events where he can help a band get exposure. And so a lot of bands, in a nutshell, kiss his ass, you know, because they like, I want to be on Eddie Trunk's show, and I get it, you know? And at that point, that's what Jerry Miller was. She was the woman in the industry that if a local band in L.A. or New York or Chicago or wherever, she'd go to see Motley Crue or Poison in concert and go backstage and hang out, and then there'd be these local bands like Tough or Tommy Gunn or Young Guns or whoever be like, oh, my God, that's the lady from Metal Edge. Let's go up to her, you know. Hi, nice to meet you. I'm Stevie, blah, 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 you know. And suddenly she could put you in Rock on the Rise, which was the little column that was like a page in the magazine that initially talked about Skid Row before they came out or Warrant or King Cobra or whoever. And so by befriending her, you were trying to get yourself some notoriety for this magazine, which behind Circus and Hip Crater... Metal Edge at one point became like the Bible of 80s rock bands, you know? So, and I'm getting to the question, you know, the the editor herself was a huge fan, very knowledgeable of this stuff, but she was also, you know, essentially kind of a fanboy, uh, you know, fangirl, you know? She was a, a, not a groupie, but like a big fan of the bands, but also, you know, an intelligent older woman that, you know, could write about the bands, and she she gave them a lot of praise. And at one point, it really helped those bands, without a doubt. And at one point, she really helped Tough. She absolutely did. But there came a point, uh, and that was from like 88 or 89, when she first put us in her Metal Edge, uh, you know, Rock and the Rise hot band from L.A. coming up, to, you know, the, the downfall of everything. And she was still there, and I was trying to get her to talk about a solo band that I was, a solo release I had put out. So this is 1998, uh, you know, a full 10 years of knowing her, and she was absolutely supportive of Tough along the way. But I I actually wanted her to do something on my my solo project, and at one point, through the grapevine, with another industry-related woman, who I'll leave remain nameless at this point, 
she told me that Jerry said some some kind of harsh things about me or negative, and, and they just weren't that nice. And and I, at that point, I was you know angry. <laughs> I just went through you know four or five years of being beaten over the head with grunge, and I was like, honestly, and, and I'm I'm kind of ashamed looking back at this, but I honestly thought to myself. Fuck you, you fucking bitch. I'm going to spend every waking minute to fucking take you out. I'm going to make fun of you. I'm going to make fun of your magazine. You know, how dare you disrespect me like that? And then that's, that was my thought process, you know, almost 20 years ago. I don't think that way, and I, I wouldn't think that way as a grown man, and probably wasn't a grown man at 32 or whatever anyway. So um, at that very moment, and this is truth. This is from the, you know, from the fucking, from the heart. At that very moment, Metal Sludge was born. And okay. I was like, I'm going to create a, a website. That's right. Because magazines are going in the shitter and fanzines are stupid. That's like when you're 16. This new medium called web, you know, web traffic or internet. We're going to build a website and we're going to basically make fun of Metal Edge. That's <laughs> what we're going to do. And we're going to make fun of everything it stands for or stood for and... And we're going to call it Metal Sludge. Yeah, Sludge. We're going to sludge everybody. <laughs> like, that literally is how it came to be. That's you awesome. Know? And it, I don't want to sound bitter because I'm not. Maybe I was. But that is really how this whole thing came to be. And then little by little, um, me and my friend, we talked about it. And we had no idea what a JPEG was or a GIF or a download or HTML or coding or, and, and Sean started learning that. And I started writing little content and little ideas and little by little, that's, that's really how the site was born, you know? And oddly it was probably, I don't have the exact date in my head, but I think within a year she left Metal Edge. Mm. <laughs> and, and Paul Gargano, who was like an assistant or a writer, he became the editor around that time. And obviously, when you were reading more about like Limp Bizkit, Power Man, Five Thousand, Corn, you know. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that what was big at the time, and they had to survive. Um, I, right. I have another question before we jump into GNR, but actually, just to finish Brandon's question. So why, why anonymous? Well. Because of the reason that we knew the content was going to be very racy and very edgy. And, you know, I was a guy in a hair band, you know. And even though the band at that point wasn't even playing, we weren't around, a lot of these bands had kind of died off. I still knew a lot of these people, you know. And so it's like we just, we started playing with stuff. It was like, it was like Howard Sternish or uh, Saturday Night Live, you know, like something with, Britney Spears or Justin Bieber or Lady Gaga, they're, they're modern celebrities right now. So at one point, you know, Saturday Night Live will mock them or make fun of them and, and have them on the show, but also they can make fun of each other and mock themselves. And so that was kind of the whole sludgy aspect was to, to just, you know, punching bag people, you know, and it wasn't, it really wasn't mean spirited. I mean, I think it, it was in a way, and some people believe that, but it was also, it was, you know, it clearly hit a nerve with a lot of people. We were saying things that everybody else thought and every band would say in their tour bus about the other band they were playing with, but they would never say it to their face and they wouldn't do it, you know, 
publicly, but we expressed an opinion that a lot of people had about a lot of bands. And I mean every band, you know, including Tough or Nelson or Quiet Riot or Warrant or Slaughter or Skid Row and Sebastian Bach or Pretty Boy Floyd. Like, we we were voicing what a lot of people thought. And obviously a lot of people at one point agreed with it or found it to be fun or hilarious. And then they started to contribute. And I think that uh, I, I, as one of the guys from, hey, I'm from Tough, so I can't just go out there and go, hey, I'm going to make fun of these guys. And by the way, I'm, I'm this guy. You know, we wanted to do it anonymously. And we also knew that by doing it anonymously, it would create some kind of a mystique, sure. you know, which it did. And it, we did that for almost, fuck, six, seven years. Wow. Yeah. And that did create where people were like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> That's very like, badass. People are updating. Their, you know, we have these, uh, you know, this information. And, and here's the thing, too. After a while, it wasn't even us. We weren't even creating the sludge. The sludge was creating itself <laughs> when, it, when an incident would happen. And, you know, we embraced this fact that... You guys aren't old enough to remember this, but you've probably read about it. When, when David Lee Roth and Van Halen split, that was like 1985-86, nobody knew anything unless you lived in L.A. or Sherman Oaks or the Valley or something until like five months later when it was in Hip Freighter. Like Sammy Hagar is the new singer in Van Halen, and the whole world went, what? <laughs> Sammy Hagar is in Van Halen? What the fuck is that? Like... <laughs> At that point, that wouldn't even have been covered by CNN or any news channel. That sure, even, yeah. Like, nobody knew about it. So it took 100 days or, you know, <laughs> what's lead time on a, on a publication at It's that funny. Point. Like, I'm thinking of, like, the old times of, of mail when they, were like, rode up on horses. and The Pony like, Express. Yeah. It, it really, where we are now. It's it, instant. And it's right. so crazy that it's within our lifetime that, it, that this much has changed pretty much. Unreal. You guys are, you said you guys are 30 and 33, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. I'm 50. When I was a kid, I ordered some skateboard wheels through a magazine <laughs> from California to Wisconsin where I live. And at that point, if you ordered anything mail order, in the little description, it would say allow six to eight weeks for delivery or four to six weeks, which is like almost two months. That's a long fucking time. But that was how shit used to be. When you ordered something in, ma in the mail, it would take two months to get to you. You know, I mean, at this point, if somebody buys a CD on Amazon on Monday and they don't have it by Friday, they're fucking putting in a stop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they even are buying the CD now, because, you know, now it's like a whole era where people don't buy CDs. I mean, which is a whole right. nother thing. Yeah, we're turning off. We're turning off your account. Where's the fucking product, motherfucker? <laughs> you know? so, so what happened is in real time when this Internet started to happen, we had this message board, we created a chat room, we had an email service, obviously, and somebody would go to, say, a, a, a Vince Neil solo show in Denver. And he'd get there and he'd play the show, and at one point, I'm just giving him, you know, spit. I, I know where this crazy. is going, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, he would get drunk and then fall down or something, and there was a show that happened somewhere. Not Vince and, Neil. Um, <laughs> <Steve> <laughs> Not him. Yeah, you know, or, or, or with other guys, and then something bad would happen, and so what would happen is somebody would go home from the show at, like, one in the morning and send us an email and go, oh, my God, I just saw Vince Neil at a club, uh, you know, at such and such in Denver. 
he was so drunk uh, during Red Hot, he fell over <laughs> and like people had to carry him off the stage and the set was cut short. And we would hear all this information within a couple hours of it happening and then we'd report it. You know, and sometimes there would be somebody that like, hey, I, I took a picture and I, you know, here it is. And so then we would put it up and people would be like, oh my God, that's insane, you know? And, and now, now again, that was 98, 99, 2000. Now, people can be there and we have these modern iPhones or smartphones where they can take a picture and a video and go, not send it in two hours, but send it in two seconds as, as fast as they can basically record it and hit send to an email or a Facebook post or Instagram, it's, it's instant. So we were kind of, you know, we were on that, you know, 16, 17 years ago and reporting all this. And then people started to realize like, wow, you know, we log on this morning and we found out this happened last night with, you know, this tour or these guys got in a fight or this guy fucking fell off stage or, and, and that's where it, just created kind of a feeding frenzy that everybody started sending us stuff too. When something bad happened, it's like you just said earlier about TMZ. When something crazy happened related to our, you know, our industry, rock and roll, heavy metal, hair band, they would go send that to Metal Sludge. Like yeah. you know, as you were ahead of the curve. Crazy. I, I yeah, and, and I completely get it because at that time, you know, as you're saying, kind of these magazines like Metal Edge, they're not going to report on that type of stuff. Like they need to keep a relationship with these groups, so right. that kind of goes into the anon, anon. Uh, why why can't I say the word anon, anonymity? Anonymity. 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 So we'll anyway, edit that out maybe. I, I want to get into Guns <laughs> and Roses, but here's here's another question just on this whole topic, and then we'll get into current GNR stuff because that's really what we do around here. Um, but. Uh, you know, without being cocky about it, would you kind of give your site some credit for like a revival for these bands? Because here's the thing, bands like Slaughter and Warrant, they're still able to tour. They play the casino circuit. You know, these like B-list people, most people would say 80s hair bands, and they're able to make a career out of it and make a great living. And the thing is, before your site came out, as you said, Metal Edge stopped really reporting on this type of stuff and telling you where everybody was going on tour and what dates. There was MTV was no longer playing videos, and if they were, they weren't by these bands. So the thing is, like Metal Sludge, as much as you guys were making fun of these bands, there were people that were like, "Holy shit, Winger is still touring. Where? I'll, I'm there." Right. Well, I wouldn't say we have. You know, I wouldn't take credit for it, but I will say that. At that point, like you just said, nobody was reporting on it. I mean, occasionally, Metal Edge might do a, a feature that said in the spring, get ready for this summer's Rock Never Stops tour. It's going to be Slaughter and L.A. Guns and Enough's Enough. You know, and so what we would do, we wouldn't report on Rock Never Stops. We would, we would rename the tour that the Rock Always Sucks tour, you know, and then... <laughs> And then, you know, it's being funny, obviously. We're trying to be funny there. Saying, yeah, the Rock Always Sucks Tour is coming this summer, and here's all the dates. And we'd name the bands and then say, let's hope that so-and-so's wig doesn't fall off and so-and-so <laughs> doesn't, you know, he's not too fat or, you know, will, will Janie have a mohawk again or whatever It was crazy at that time. Like, we were absolutely pushing and promoting it. And I think that some of those guys took it to heart and didn't, didn't like what we were doing. Um, I remember Phil Lewis at one point from LA Guns, he said, Metal Sludge does a disservice to the community. Mm. And he was kind of, like he was, he was kind of 
you know, friendly to us. Then he was kind of anti-Metal Sludge. And then at one point he came back around and I think he realized what we were doing. And, and I, I think that we absolutely were helping because we were one of the few that would report on it. And we also were, I mean, at that point we were getting 30, 40, 50,000 viewers a day, which, you know, that's more Metal Edge magazines that were printed and distributed per month. So, you know, and we were getting that every day. And the people, you know, could get new content every day or every couple of days, as opposed to Metal Edge, you get it once a month and you're like, here's your stories on black and white paper and a, a couple shiny pinups and that's it. We could, we could add and subtract and, and it was also interactive where, you know, we didn't have this, the, the technology didn't exist like it does today, but we did have like the, the message board threads where people could make a comment or talk about something and then everyone else could say something back and you could, you know, quote against somebody else's comment or the chat room where people could literally in real time, you know, it was limited though, like six or 12 people could be in one chat room at a time and all talk together and then we had to add a second one and, you know, it was, it was interesting. But yeah, it, it definitely kept the fire burning and I believe that we, meaning Metal Sludge, have flown that flag for a long time and, and we were doing it when a lot of people wouldn't touch it, you know? I'm on MetalSlugs.tv at the moment, and the, the lead mm-hmm. article, which is, I mean, the, right now, the biggest thing in rock and roll is the Guns N' Roses reunion. I mean, the fact that this right. is real is still very, I mean, what, however you want to phrase or uh, look at it, what a reunion, that word means, is still right. crazy that it's happening. Uh, and there's still breaking news, it seems like, every other week, something crazy that's happening. Of course, Axel and, and Duff were interviewed on, on Brazilian TV. And we played a couple mm-hmm. uh, clips from that before we brought you on. And then Izzy, who just has, uh, who just, I guess, discovered the internet, unlike you, he, <laughs> he just got on Twitter like maybe a few months ago. And as is, I think, is like his fourth tweet ever uh, in response to why he's not with uh, Axel and Duff in response to the interview. Right. Your, your lead article says, oh, snap, uh, Izzy on GNR reunion bullshit. They don't want to split the loot equally. So I want to get your, right. your, your insight onto. What do you think is, is, is going down? Because uh, Ian and I have discussed the contrast between what we thought about this reunion, where we feel, or at least perception is, that they seem to all be friends again, um, as opposed to Dokken, where they've literally said it's just for the money. So I want to get your perspective on what's going on. I mean, I, I think for starters, I think the fact that Guns N' Roses reunited is, is great. I mean, it's... It's, a, it's humongous for them, and anybody related is, you know, it's, it's a good thing. I mean, even, even the crew people that get to go, you know, around the world for the next two or three years at that level, it's, it's a great job, I'm sure, for them. Um, you know, Axel, Flash, and Duff, obviously, are the three main pieces, and they will collectively make the most money, obviously, with, without any question. Um, as far as, you know... Izzy, I, I don't, I don't really know much about that other than what I've read, and you know, Izzy was somebody that kind of left. God, he left 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's literally 25 years ago in 1991 when they first put out their Use, Use Your Illusion records. That was, you know, those guys were massive at that point. I mean, Metallica was opening up for them, and from what I could see, or what I kind of knew then, or my perception was that. If he didn't really, didn't give a shit at that point. They, they all had already been millionaires or made a lot of money. And maybe it was just, 
I, I don't want to be involved with this, whatever it was, he, he stepped away from it when they were literally at their height. And, and so then, uh, obviously, over the years, the band, you know, fractured into a few different lineups over the years. And even once Slash and Guff had kind of left, Izzy came back a couple times and, and jammed with, with Axel in the Guns N' Roses lineup, probably even in the last 10 years on a couple of occasions. Oh, yeah, but in England at O2, yeah. Yeah, or like he'd just show up in some random city or country and get up and play two or three songs with them, and then nobody would hear from him again for yep. a year, you know? So, you know, when he says they didn't want to split the money equally, I mean, it's not my band, it's not my business, but I really honestly believe that they don't need to speak. They don't need to split the money equally. I really don't think so. I mean, I think I think Axel is without a doubt, uh, you know, the superior alpha dog in that camp, and he has been. You know, I think that adding Slash is a huge element, and Duff, I think, is the the glue. I think Duff is the real brain uh, go between that kind of, I think, helps smooth over whatever was existing between Axel and Slash. I think Duff was very integral in uh, making that happen. Um, I, and I, I agree. You and I were kind of debating this, Brando, like uh, the whole splitting the money thing. You know what it reminds me of, Stevie, is uh, did you read Peter Chris's book by any chance? I didn't. Okay, because Peter Chris's whole thing, you know, from Kiss, of course, was that when they were going to play Japan after the whole, you know, reunion, when they put the, the makeup back on, he was like, right. you know, why am I not getting paid as much as you, Paul Stanley and Gene? And, and they're like, dude, we're just going to do these shows without you, and we'll put Eric Singer in the makeup if you don't want to do it. And he was like, the, the fans won't accept it. And and Paul Stanley was like, yeah, they'll accept it. And that's what they did. The fans accepted it. They, they you know, went out and, and played sold-out shows in Japan. And... um I don't know if you disagree with it because I'm kind of on your side, Stevie. Like, I would love to see Izzy there. I'm a huge fan of the original lineup. That's the band that I fell in love with just like everybody else. But, you know, it's still capitalism. And it's still about going out there and playing sold-out shows. And they're going to play these sold-out shows whether Izzy's there or not. And that's kind of the truth. I, mm-hmm. I Yeah, no, I, I understand that and agree with it. And maybe it's just my fairy tale mindset a little bit because obviously if you're not if you're a fringe fan if you're you know the sorority girl that knows paradise city and sweet child of the mind you know who axel rose is you know who slash is you might know what duff looks like i mean i think he really helps rebrand himself in velvet revolver um but is he you would think as a childhood friend is of, of axel and you you know who have been in bands and you know who helped to write the songs the fans may not because he's you know he's the the rhythm guitarist, and he's fr- he seems to be friends with still Slash and, and Duff because he also played with uh, Velvet Revolver. Why wouldn't behind the scenes when they're all millionaires anyway just split it equally? It's not like it's Gilby Clark. It's not like no, it's Bumblefoot. No, I'll so tell you, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Okay. And I'll give you another band to compare it to. And you've heard this said a million times. This is the music business. Okay, it's not just music. It's a business and. I'm going to sidebar it right now, and I'm going to bring up Poison. Okay, so Poison, what is the first thing you think of when you think of Poison? Brett Michaels. Brett Michaels. <laughs> Brett Michaels, exactly. Brett Michaels, when Poison stopped, you know, when they, when they went on one of their breaks, he started doing tours as Brett Michaels and playing in little tiny clubs in upper Michigan, in, you know, in a club that I played in that, you know, max capacity 500 people. And I'm, I'm being generous. 
And he probably did those shows for a few thousand, you know, 2,000, 3,000, you know, maybe $3,500 off nights. And I've had my differences with Brett over the years or vice versa. And people have said that, you know, things about me related to him. But he's worked his ass off. And he played those shitty shows on off nights in D markets. When I say D markets, we're talking not even Marquette, Michigan, but like, you know, uh, you know, Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, and places that are not even a, a B or C list city on the touring market. And he's played those shows. He's played them in the winter. He's played them in the rain. And at all those shows, he stood there and signed autograph for every fat chick, every you know, every douchey forty-year-old guy that's you know bald and works a factory job. And so Brett did that, you okay. know. And I, I I say that because it's true. Now I'm not dissing fat people. Um, <laughs> no, I get it. I get but, it, dude. <laughs> Brett Michaels has continued to throw himself out there, you know, and when it came time to do this corny show, whatever it was called, you know, the, the idea like Rock of Love, you're going to go on this cable network TV show with 20 girls, and they're all going to try to get you. Like, I mean, he kind of threw himself in the mix, you know, and it was kind of, a, you know, at first it was looked at as stupid and silly, but it launched him, and little by little, he's continued to build his brand. He's continued to work hard. And to this day, he can still go out and play, and now he makes 10 times the money he made on solo shows 10 years ago. And at the end of the day, the guys in Poison are upset that Brett's doing all this and haven't done a lot of shows. I'm not saying this because they've told me this, but it's kind of known at this point. There's been very few Poison dates. But um, some of these guys are my friends, but CC DeVille's not on Twitter that I know of. Bobby Dahl's not on Twitter. They don't have Facebook pages. They don't have Instagrams. They don't go out and do a lot of public, if, if any public appearances. I mean, I, I challenge either one of you to Google CeCe DeVille and Bobby Dahl and find any interviews or any public appearances or anything they've done with, that, with their related branding or the band in the last five years. And if you can come up with more than five, I'd be shocked. It is true. You know what? I I know exactly what you're getting at, too, because Izzy, they've talked about, has put out, you know, all these, um, you know, solo projects that are available exclusively for iTunes. Like, he has, like, what, a dozen solo CDs or something? Mm -hmm. I didn't see marketing for any of them. So it's like he could be working on all this music, but there's just no one looking for an Izzy album because he's not out there. As you said, and you're speaking Brando's language right now because you have to be active on social networking, which is something that Brando tries to. To embed in my head every two seconds. Yeah, and and you're right. right. Yeah, oh, that's basically so, it. You know, mm-hmm. when it comes time to a poison show, and this is this is the inside that I've heard from some people, and I won't say who the people are, but at the end of the day, for poison to get back together, it's not going to be an even split. It's not going to be a four way split. It might have been a four way split 15 years ago, or 12 years ago, or 20 years ago, but modern day, all the work that Brett's done in the last four, seven, nine, eleven years, he's continued to make that brand vibrant or go or grow and be be uh, you know viable. And so for them to suddenly go out and do a poison show and they're like gonna get a hundred and fifty thousand dollars a night and X amount of dollars per date over the course of forty dates and a summer tour through Live Nation, it's about numbers. Brett is worth ten times 25 times, 100 times what the other three members are combined. I get it, yeah. And it's no disrespect to them, but the same goes for Axel. Axel's been out there, Slash has been out there, 
you know, uh, Duff's been out there. Duff's did, you know, solo bands. He's played, you know, played the Viper Room. I mean, the Viper Room doesn't even hold 300 people. Flash has played the Roxy, you know, uh, which is a small club. You know, and both of them have been on bigger events as well, but, you know, Duff's written books, and Flash has put out solo records and guested with people and done a lot of endorsement-related things. Those guys have worked their ass off to keep out there. Even Steven Adler has worked his ass off at times when he, when he was keeping himself together and doing the tribute or the Adler's Appetite. Or, and at the end of the day, Izzy's almost been non-existent. So if there's going to be a Guns N' Roses tour, I don't believe it, it should be split five ways. And I, you know, as far as how Motley does it, I don't, I don't think a Motley splits there either because some of those guys have been fired or Tommy quit. And, you know, Nikki's continued to drive the brand. Uh, when it came time that Electra let them out of the contract, it was Nikki that got involved and, you know, formed the Motley Records with his management and, and lawyers and, you know, books and TV, you know, radio shows and clothing lines. And this is what makes those brands grow. So, you know, a guy like Tommy Lee, again, he's a major part of Motley Crue. And to anybody who's a drummer, they grew up wanting to twirl their sticks because of him. But he's also the guy that was like, fuck this, I'm like, oh, fuck, that's, that's gay, you know, I want to do my rap stuff. Yo, motherfucker, what's up? You know, <laughs> he, he completely stepped so far away from it, and it's like, now if they're going to throw a, a, a fucking kettle of money at the name Motley Crue, Nikki's probably like, there's no way he's getting an even cut. Boy, you know? spe- I mean, or especially Mick no Mars. Way. Like, at least Tommy Lee was relevant. Even, you know, you could even say having the sex tape out was relevant. You know, the whole Pamela Lee thing was relevant. Right. But yep. what was Mick Mars doing that whole time? I mean, uh, you know, he has a disease. So there's a reason for it. But, uh, you know, he's not active the way the other guys are. And Vince Neil is sort of right. still but on the road. He, but he's absolutely, he's absolutely been in Motley Crue the entire time. He's never, like, left the band or quit the band or got fired from the band. And, and anything related to Motley Crue, he was there. But he's also, um, like you said, he, he, he was an older guy when the band came out. You right. know? So, it's like, that was really never totally Mick's forte, so to speak, you know. Uh, but, I, you know, I know that Mick's an active guy that goes to NAM and is in the endorsements and he's related to that kind of stuff. And... You know, there, there's a lot of moving parts, but at the end of the day, you know, like you said, uh, one of you guys said about the fairy tale dream. Yeah. The five guys in the Welcome to the Jungle video getting up and it just being them five and going up and doing those a tour, that will never happen because mm. Guns N' Roses at that point was just a dirty little rock band, you know, and, 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 and those Use Your Illusion albums took them to a whole nother level. I... I and, and at, <sighs> It's just weird. I don't know why you say it'll never happen because the thing is, I think part of the reason they were able to sell out stadiums in some cases two nights in a row was because of the mystique of this whole thing. And when they do it again, maybe next year in the States, they're going to need to have something new happening, you know, something that gets people excited to want to pay that, you know, up upwards of 200 something dollars to, to get a good seat. And if it's the original five guys, I mean, I think there's a lot of, there'd be a huge market for it. The money would be there, man. Well, there's, there's still going to be a huge market. They only played 22 cities. There's 50 states in America. Yeah. And there's, you know, probably four cities in California and four in Texas and, you know, two or three in Pennsylvania and a couple in Florida. I mean, there's literally a hundred options for them to go to. And I, I'll bet 
that they will go and do another uh, stadium tour, but it's not going to be in those same cities. Like, it'll probably be in another 15 different cities, and maybe they'll repeat a couple of the big markets, you know, New York, Chicago, L.A., Dallas, or Atlanta. But, you know... You've given me a lot to... And doing those mm-hmm. couple songs, I think it was, I think it was thought out, well thought out that Steven would come in and play a few songs on, on a couple of, you know, shows out of the blue, unannounced, and, and make everybody perk up a little bit more. Whether that happens with Izzy or not, I don't know, but based on that couple things that Axel said, which I guess everyone can assume instigated Izzy to react the way he did and say bullshit, they didn't want to split the loot, you know? I don't, I don't believe that... Uh, I, mean, I don't believe it's going to affect it either way, you know? You know, you've given me a lot to think about, and especially with the analogy, because I'm also a, a big Poison fan, and just the way, and, and I kind of get it where, and I, I hate that I get it now, because so, you kind of flipped me the other way, that they, Axel's been out there rebuilding this band from the inside out, and, and Slash has been, ever since Slash's Snake Pit, has been doing a ton of things, and Dolph has been doing a ton of things, and they've been working, yes, is, uh, Izzy with his solo stuff, but he hasn't been putting it out there. He's kind of just been like the starving musician, and I guess if you go up there, it's like, hey, you know, I'm sorry, but we earned, because we kept the brand going. We're, we're, we're here. I mean, we want you to be I mean, a, you a take, part of this. You, you, know, you take chances. Axel took chances. Putting out yeah, that Chinese did. democracy, re-recording it five times, changing the guitarist from, you know, Buckethead to Bumblefoot to DJ Ashba. I mean, that, you know, that's putting himself out there. And there has to be something said for that as a risk, you know. And like I said about Duff, you know, he's played with his projects and played – you know, opening slots or side stages on big venues or big events. And Doing media? Yeah. I guess know? it's like so, in sports. I, 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 you know, like you said, it's, it's or as I said, it's um, the fairytale. Like, you, you don't want your favorite player to hit free agency and go somewhere else. Just take the, take the hometown discount. Stay here. We love right. you here. You know? So, I mean, yeah, I get it because it is a business. Uh, sports is a business. Music is a business. So, Thanks, Stevie, for killing my my dream. <laughs> I mean, I, I I guess it could happen because let I me mean, look at the fact that we never thought not in his lifetime, you know, name of the tour that uh, Axel and Slash would never get back together again. That it could happen, but now I, for where I was like, why can't you just split it evenly? Now I understand why. So thanks for well, and destroying my dream. My analogy, <laughs> my analogy that I just threw out there for the poison or the Guns and Roses thing, that that doesn't hold. Uh, the, tr- the same thing isn't held uh, truthful from my end as far as uh, the rat thing goes. I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't agree with the rat process that's happened in any way, shape, or form. For the record. <laughs> yeah, I, and I, you know, we should get into that because I heard the whole interview on Eddie Trunk. Uh, you know, if you want to give some background for, for, there's probably a lot of listeners who don't know the whole situation. But basically, Bobby Blotzer is touring. You know, the drummer is touring with a whole new band as Rat. And uh, in the Eddie Trunk interview, he was like, I, I don't read that metal shit website, obviously <laughs> referring to you quite a few times right. during the interview. Right. How did that make you feel? How did it make me feel that he called this metal shit? Yeah. I was elated. I honestly <laughs> thought about changing the cover of the site and having my friend um, 
the webmaster who works with me to just basically write the word shit over the word sludge and, <laughs> and embrace it. Header. Cool. Yeah, I like yeah. it. I like it. So, you know, hey, you know, he, he says he doesn't read it, but I know he does uh, because otherwise he wouldn't know all the things that were said, you know, which he... Um, but hey, you know, I, I get it that Bobby wants to work. I get it that he wants to make money. I get it that he wants to go tour and all that. However, what he did from my thought, this is my opinion, from what he, from what I saw or what I heard and parts of what I know, he basically stole the band. I mean, he basically hijacked the band, mm. you know, and you know, the other guys at one point, um, and there's, you know, three of them, obviously, Warren um, and Steven and Juan, you know, there was some shows that they did a few years ago, but there was also things that were still trying to be, I guess, resolved within their camp. And at one point, just like with Poison right now, I mean, Brett, Brett's doing show, shows, and I think Ricky Rocket's been pretty verbal out of, the most vocal out of anyone else to say, we want to go out and play, Brett's not agreeing to the tour well that's kind of what's happening with rat rat wasn't agreeing i guess collectively on what they should or shouldn't do and at one point blotcher just got fed up and was sick of waiting around and obviously started his tribute project first which a lot of people really liked and i i i saw it i i mean saw the videos i heard it i thought it was a great representation of the songs by his project bobby blotcher's rat experience um but he literally did that for a few months, and then at one point just decided, hey, you know what, tonight at the Whiskey, which is, you know, almost two years ago, a year and a half ago, uh, or was it last, I think it was a year ago, uh, we're just going to basically put the rat banners up. We're rat, you know, and, and that's what they, you know, what they did and started going forward just as rat, and that's when obviously Warren filed the lawsuit, and, you know, I think all that is still going to be yet to be determined, kind of like what Great White was with Jack at one point, and obviously the Queensryche split with Jeff Tate. So sure. I think at one point they'll have their day in court, and it'll be settled and sorted. And in the meantime, I, I don't think Bobby is doing himself any favors by going about it the way he did, because half his band is, you know, three of the band, the existing three members, are not happy with him at all. Yeah, I, but I don't think he gives a shit. I mean, it's just... It's money. There's a lot of people who don't read sites like Metal Sludge that don't know they're not seeing the real rat. I don't know how, and, you, how you, without the lead singer though, is which is the face well, and, and the brand. The thing, I just don't know how you don't know that. I'm a huge fan too. And the thing is, you know, Bobby Blotzer didn't write any of the songs that mattered. Um, but to be completely fair, and as you were saying about the tribute band having no problem when it was Bobby Blotzer's rat experience. The band sounds kick-ass. I'm going to be completely honest. I see the videos on YouTube, and on yep. some level, they actually sound better than, I think, the Stephen Piercy fronted Rat a few years back. And I hate to say that because that's the classic lineup. These are the guys who wrote the songs. Um, but he did put together a really terrific band. That, nonetheless, they're not Rat. It's the same thing in a couple ways we've compared it with uh, Stevie, that... Guns N' Roses, when it was just Axel, he put together a great band, but they, I mean, I think uh, they put out the number, $117 million they made on this tour. The the new version of Guns is never close to that. No. And the ver what Bobby Blotzer is doing is essentially, what's uh, what if Matt Sorum toured his Guns N' Roses <laughs> and had to put together a great band? I mean, that's not Guns N' Roses, so it's just a lot of different angles you can look at this. 
Well, Matt Sorum wasn't the original Guns N' Roses drummer where Bobby Blotzer was, you know. Oh, I meant, um, I meant Adler. I meant, like, if Stephen Adler. Right, right, right. Right, right. okay. Um, yeah, and, you know, here's the thing. Um, you know, I think Josh Allen sings great. I mean, that kid can sing those songs awesome. But here's the thing. You know, Paul Stanley has been struggling with his voice for, for, for several years, and he's probably, what is Paul, somewhere in his early to mid-60s? Yeah. But here's the thing. There's, some, there's Kiss tribute bands all across this world, and probably uh, one in each state that has a great Paul Stanley tribute singer that can sing his ass off and hit the notes. But to, the reality is, the true Kiss fans, does anybody want to see a guy... Uh, from a tribute band sing for Kiss? No. Fuck no. Does anybody want to pay for a meet and greet to meet some guy named, you know, Joe Johnson who's in Paul Stanley's clothes and costume? No, they don't, you know? And to anybody that says, well, why would they pay to meet Eric Singer or Tommy Thayer? Well, here's the thing. You got the two key guys, and they were the two key guys, you know, a long time ago. The singer and, and you know, Paul and Gene, and uh, well, they're technically co-lead singers. I mean, that's one band that's had Paul sing more of the songs, but Gene's equally sang several of the songs on on the band and sings uh, or on their on their you know some of their big songs. And he also is uh, co co-lead on a lot of them. But when Kiss brought in a couple of guys, they brought in guys that had a history as well. You know, Eric Singer played with Alice Cooper. Eric Singer was in Badlands with Jakey Lee and Ray Gillen. Eric Singer was a professional, you know, astute drummer that had credentials to his name, you know? And uh, he also was brought in because there wasn't an option. Eric Carr was sick with cancer and sadly died soon after. So they had to bring him in. Um, and, uh, you know, even Tommy Thayer. Tommy Thayer had put out, you know, multiple records with Black and Blue, was signed to Geffen Records. And he obviously was working, for anyone that doesn't know, he was working with KISS for a long time. Obviously, Gene produced some of those black and blue records, and he was part of the KISS camp and at one point became involved with Gene and Paul in, in many ways. So the, so many ways, the capacity to just suddenly bring Tommy in and have him be ace worked. You know? and, and even in like other bands, people have tried to equate... Um, the rat thing, what Bobby Blotzer's doing to what Frankie Benali of Quiet Riot is doing. Mm. Nothing the same. Okay. It's not close. Now, for anybody that doesn't know all the history, for starters, Frankie is the classic year's lineup drummer. Um, there was a drummer before him with, uh, you know, Randy Rhodes and Kevin when they had their first Japanese deal and put out a, a record or two in Japan. But the first major release in the United States with Metal, you know, Metal Health and all that, that's Frankie Benali. So he was there from the beginning with Kevin. The bass player that played on that record is Chuck Wright. Now, he wasn't in the videos or didn't tour. That was Rudy Sarzo. But Chuck Wright is the guy that played on that record and was involved with Quiet Riot very early on. He's now back in the band, and he's been involved along the way. So he's you know, another classic key piece. Um, Alex Grossi, the guitarist that plays in Quiet Riot, he's clearly not an original guy. You know, he was still in fucking probably grade school when they did the record. <laughs> but Alex also played in the band now for, I don't know, a decade, 12 years. 
And he was in the band for multiple, for many years while Kevin was still alive. And then here's the other thing. Replacing Kevin, who at one point passed away, Frankie didn't do anything for several years. He just went into a, you know, into the, you know, in hit. He, you know, raised his daughter. He just, he, he kind of mourned. And so he, he put it all on hold. He didn't do anything for several years. And when he did decide to go forward, and this is documented, he went to Kevin DeBro's mother and he asked for her permission. He said, I kind of want to do the band again. What do you think? I don't want to do it unless you give me your blessing. I like that. And I'm paraphrasing here, but I was told this, and by Frankie himself, that she said, Frankie, had you passed away and not Kevin, Kevin would be playing right now and singing his songs for people. Wow. Now, I ask you to do the same. Go play, let somebody else sing Kevin's songs, and let the band live on. So the fact that that happened, that's one huge part. Here's the second part. Kevin and Frankie, even though they were in a band for many years and had a couple of ups and downs, those two were like frick and motherfucking frack. They were <laughs> a pair, they were a duo, they loved each other, they were friends. I know this because I also knew them. I'd see them in airports walking next to each other with, you know, uh, you know a, a coffee going to their next flight, and we'd say hello to each other. So those guys were really, really friends. They looked at this, you know, later part of their life to still be involved together in doing this. We're out there, buddy. We're going to go make it happen. And so Bobby Blotcher doesn't have that relationship with Stephen Piercy that I know of. I'm pretty sure of that, you know. He didn't have a great relationship. He, he didn't ask the other's permission. No. Uh, Stephen didn't die, and then he decided to go on by himself. You know, and, and even, you know, comparing other apples and oranges, Warrant brought in Robert Mason, obviously, because they couldn't continue without, you know, without having Jamie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and, he's the guy, and also so, Janie Lane's the guy who wrote all the songs. That whole thing is kind of crazy, too. And they, and they brought in Robert Mason, who also was a pro in his own right. The guy had been involved in, 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 in other projects, like the, the, uh, the second Lynch Mob record, and he's, he's, he's a, known, a known guy, and even, you know, quite right now, has had Jizzy for the last couple of years. Jizzy had his own uh, heyday with, with Love Hate, putting out, you know, major label releases, and then at one point even touring with L.A. Guns or Rat. So a lot of these guys that did bring in guys, they brought in guys that were really respected or... or had some kind of a, a quote-unquote resume, if you will. And I think a lot of people frowned, and this is no disrespect to Josh from Sin City Sinners or uh, the other guys, but at one point, Bobby Blotzer just took a tribute band from Las Vegas and said, you guys are going to be rat, I'm going to be, uh, we're going to be rat, I'm going to be the drummer, and you guys are now rat. <laughs> and, and nobody, you know, to my knowledge, had, had any real credentials be, beyond being, a, you know, a tribute band. And sure. we're talking about a band that would play anything from Billy Idol, White Wedding, to, you know, uh, Oh, Come On Eileen by the Dexys Midnight Runners. And, and <laughs> They're a good band, though, yeah. Well, and that's where the... Dexys? No, 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 uh, <laughs> Sin City Centers. Okay. <laughs> no, I, so, I hear you. Know, that's where people, I think, were a little upset, disgruntled, and I'd say that... From, from an industry standpoint and comrades within the industry and even fans, like, you know, 
hey, if you got Doug Aldridge, it'd be like, okay, you got another killer pro player. Like, but he didn't, you know? Sure. And he's continued to, you know, and here's the thing. The writing's on the wall. Bobby's had, I don't know, four or five guitarists, three or four bassists, you know? I mean, clearly there's some, there's some trouble within the camp. There's been some, some stuff that's went on that's made it look a little silly at times. And that, that's kind of my thought on that, you know, in relating it to a lot of other similar projects. You know? Yeah, and which you could read all about at Metal Sludge, because uh, I know you've been heavily, you know, re- reporting on this, if you want to put it that way, or commenting on it. Um, right. I, I want to bring it back to Guns N' Roses is one thing, because I got to have a really in-depth conversation with you on the phone, you know, a while back when we were talking about um, just what the site has done and what you've done. And I know that you got to talk to Steven Adler at, like, the height of his drug days, and you have some pretty, pretty interesting stories that I'd, I'd love to hear. Yep. Well, I mean, we did some interviews with Steven years ago. I mean, like 10 years ago. And um, it's funny that I, I have some of those interviews um, that we did, and they're actually audio as well. Dee Schneider, uh, David Coverdale, Steven Adler. And um, at one point I, I, I thought, you know, hey, I should put these out because when we did interviews back then, we would often – record them, but then we would just kind of translate and put the majority of it on, um, you know, on the Metal Sludge site. But now with podcasts being such a big thing and having audio, I thought it might be a good idea at one point. So those are in the archives here, uh, some some real good stuff. And um, What's some of the crazy stuff point, you have from Steven Adler, though? Do you have an exclusive for uh, Appetite for Distortion? Well... I mean, people can read that. I mean, it's, it's been talked about on the Internet before that, you know, he, like, talked about his drug use and maybe even some some crazy late-night, like, stuff that happened in regards to that. And, and I, I'm not going to quote it right now because I, I don't know exactly what I, I can't. I don't want to paraphrase it. So, and, uh, you know, and Steven's a friend, and I love him, and I think the band's doing great, and I'm stoked for him, but if if... if all of that's going to come out. It's going to be on a on a sludge podcast. Everybody <laughs> can hear his words. I get it. Know? Yeah, and David Coverdale's words, and and Dee Schneider's words, and, and and many others. You know. Awesome, man, dude. This has been a, a total honor. I actually have one more question that's unrelated, and it's funny. A lot of the fans of the show have been breaking my balls about mentioning Doc in every episode, but I love Doc, and, <laughs> and this episode we mentioned like every hairband on the planet, so why not? And uh, Ian's going to South Dakota. Well, that's what I was going to ask Stevie because when I was texting him to come on the show, I know you're you're a huge Doc and fan. You talk about them as being an early influence of yours. So I'm wondering, man, why aren't you taking the trip to South Dakota? I mean, this is one last time. Who me? Yeah. Oh, I would. I would never go there for that. I mean, I like Dawkins absolutely. I, Jeff's a friend of mine. Um, George is a friend. George played a, a solo on uh, the Tough What Comes Around Goes Around Again record back nice. just four or five years ago, and um, I saw them on the Tooth and Nail tour. Uh, became a fan. I, I think those first two or three records are awesome. Um, Don's a cool guy. I mean, I've met him a few times. Um, we've actually opened up for him, I believe. Um, he absolutely can be a dick and probably was a dick at times and probably can still be, which we all can be. But, you know, at the end of the day, Don's, Don's no joke. 
he, you know, I, I would put him in legend status. I mean, he's been around a long time, you know. That dude's been around 40 years doing this. And um, he calls him like, like he sees it, and he's not afraid to mince his words, you know. And as far as them guys doing the, the reunion in Japan, I think that's great for Japan. Um, I know they're doing the one one or two shows, whatever it is, up in South Dakota at that. Uh, just that, that one, just one show, man. Just one. Yeah. And he's talked about all the, the offers coming in, which I think the offers will continue to come in. And just like GNR or other things, they're just going to, somebody's going to put another zero at one point. I think they're going to end up doing it, whether it's, you know, Sweden Rock or, you know, Download or Rock and Rio or at, at one point, I think there's a possibility those will happen. But, you know, you're waiting for that before you go to the uh, the beautiful land of South Dakota. You don't want to go there. Just... Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> no really disrespect to South Dakota, but that's that's a destination wedding right there. Yeah, I'm I'm not really a concert goer. You know, I just oh no, I'm not, you know, I mean, this is a business for me. I play my shows. I go when I have to play, and I'm there to perform and sell merchandise and meet people and all that. But you know, wait. So saying I, that, I, man, I that makes me wonder: Were you at any of the GNR shows? Nope. That's that's crazy to me, man. Like this is this is your life, dude. Like I would have thought, you know, you've been reporting on the idea of a Guns N' Roses reunion for probably the past fifteen years or so, and it happens, and you didn't go. Like, ah, that's crazy to me, no, dude. No, and there was there was I had probably five opportunities. I mean, obviously, I if if I would have been if I would have somehow had two tickets in my hand to guarantee I could have got into the Troubadour. I would have went to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I could have went. To, I want to. I could have went to Dodger Stadium. But it's funny. I'll rewind to what you just said. This is your life, dude. You don't know me at all. This is not my life. <laughs> you don't know me at all. This is so not my life. I am. I am not. And a lot of people that meet me, I am not your cliche rock guy. You know. I mean, aside from the fact that I just shaved what's left of my hair off my head, <laughs> I don't have any tattoos. I don't have a motorcycle. I've never had a motorcycle. I've never been drunk in my life. Good for I'm you. I'm 50 years old. I've never, no exaggeration, N-E-V-E-R, I've never been drunk one time in my entire life. That's, so are you, uh, are you a nerd? Like, I, well, how, how would you, if we had to have to classify Stevie Rochelle, like, what are you? Definitely not a nerd. Um, oh, all right. Well, that, I'm a nerd, whatever. <laughs> never smoked. Okay. Never smoked. Um, uh, peyote? Not, not a ton of peyote, guy. though, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, did I what? A ton, a ton of peyote, though, obviously. I was going to say, did you say peyote? <laughs> um, I can't even believe you know what that is if you're only 30 or 33. That's kind of like an old person term. Um, but I'm an old soul. I, I, you know, I have two kids. I pick them up from school four or sometimes five days a week. I take them to karate. I take them to after-school activities. I'm just, I'm not, I live in the valley. I could probably count on my one hand how many times I've actually even been in the city of Los Angeles or Hollywood in the last year, hmm. you know? Um, oddly, I did go, I was just talking about this to somebody the other day. I did go to Motley Crue's show on New Year's Eve. Okay. So and um, it was Shout at the Devil in March of 84 that altered my life. Like, I went to that concert, and I came out, and it was, it was a whole new thing. Like, I was just, I was obsessed with Motley Crue. So then I saw the Theater of Pain tour. I saw the Girls, Girls, Girls tour. I saw the Dr. Feelgood tour. I was 
you know, obsessed with Motley Crue for the, you know, for the 80s, so to speak. But at one point, I, I outgrew them, you know, and, uh, or outgrew a lot of it. I had not seen them since. And uh, so knowing it was the last show, it was in, a, you know, in Los Angeles. It was New Year's Eve. Um, it might even have been like a, was it a Friday night? Um, but I, I literally bought the tickets from like StubHub at like 2.30 in the afternoon that day. I contacted my buddy. And uh, what happened is some other friends went to a couple of the other shows like the previous night or two nights before. And all these people were paying these outrageous amount of money. And then people were like, I bought my ticket at 6.30 online and it was only like $39, you know? And I was like, really? You know, <laughs> there's still some tickets left that are only like 20, 30 bucks. So I went online on New Year's Eve during the day and I was finding tickets for like $32.99 or, mm. you know, $34.99. I saw that of Like five bucks. So I was like, it's only like 40 bucks. Like I'll pay 40 bucks for that. And so I asked my buddy, <laughs> Uh, I'll give him a shout out. Izzy Presley. Uh, oh yeah, has, uh, fellow podcaster. He, yeah, he's he, he's he's amazing. I love Izzy. And I called him up and I said, "Dude, what are you doing tonight?" He's like, "Dude, I'm going to probably be Uber driving." I said, "You want to take a break?" He goes, "Why? What's up?" And he was actually crying. And I say that lightly. He was bitching on Facebook two nights earlier, like, "Fuck, everybody's everybody's at Motley Crue, but me. This fucking sucks," you know. So I, I messaged him. I said, "Dude." You want to go to Motley Crue tonight? He's like, dude, I got to work. I'm broke. And I'm like, dude, it's on me. So he's like, really? And I said, yeah. I said, but you know what? I don't want to pick you up. I don't want you to pick me up. I ain't going out. I'll meet you in the parking garage. We'll walk in. We'll watch the show, and we're done. I'm driving home, and you can go Uber. He's like, dude, I'm there. <laughs> so I bought us two tickets, and me and Izzy went. We watched the show. It was fucking great. And then uh, I went home, and he went and Ubered. So that was that was the last concert I was at, uh, other than the shows I played this year, and probably the first concert I'd been at in God, uh, quite a while. Then, then let me ask then, um, if you're not going to shows, is there anything like what's in your your playlist right now? Like, what are you listening to? What are you what are you raising your kids with? Are they rocker kids? Um, you know, not what, at what, all. Not at all. Well, they, they, they listen they to. They don't the, like it. They're they're not into that at all. My daughter loves Taylor Swift. Okay. And his mom actually took her to Taylor Swift a couple years ago. It was her first concert. She loved it. She has a Taylor Swift CD. <laughs> okay. um, every time we get in the truck, she wants to listen to that. So I, I'm, I'm stoked that she likes it, you know? Um, cool. But... But what are you I, listening to? Like now, are you listening to old stuff? Or are you just like... Or it's just well, you know, it's funny. I, podcasts? <laughs> what are you listening to? You know, I do. You know who I really like is Pat from Train. Okay. He, they just put out a Zeppelin you, cover record, right? Yeah, and his... Do you know, have you ever listened to his podcast? I have listened to his podcast. He hasn't done one in a while, but he kind of... I like the fact that he was bringing on a lot of these obscure 80s hair bands, like, you know, one of the guys from Danger Danger and stuff like that. I listened right. to that one. It was great. And I know that you repost well, and, some of that stuff. I think I discovered right, him yeah. through you, to be honest. And here's the thing. Pat is a fucking... I mean, he's an amazing singer and an amazing lyricist, but he also is a fucking son of a bitch. Like, he fucking <laughs> busts people's balls. He talks about Richard Marks taking a shit in his studio. Like, it's just, <laughs> I mean, he's like fucking kind of Howard Sternish. You okay. know, like the first couple times I listened to him, I'm like, this guy rules, you know? <laughs> wow. So, uh, I like Pat from Trains, uh, Pat Cass, he calls it. 
Um, okay. I love Joe Rogan. I'm a big UFC guy. I love the UFC. Um, you know, as far as music, I mean, I'll post stuff on Sludge. Like, just in the last couple of days, I posted, like, cranking now at Metal Sludge headquarters is sleaze bees screwed, blued, and tattooed, you know, or something like that. So I'll put that on and package some, some orders and listen to sleaze bees. But, I mean, when you guys called me, I was listening to 999. Okay. I'm not you know familiar with is? them, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not either. What like is that? What podcast is that? Or band is that? It's not a podcast. Or band is that? I don't punk know. Band. It's a punk band from England. Well, I know the Rancid song. I, I dial that if I really want the truth. What, what is? They have a song called Nine Nine Nine. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's you know I wouldn't doubt it's probably a tribute to the to to Nine 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 the band. The band Nine 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 was formed in 1976 in England, and they were part of the original punk scene with The Clash, uh, the Sex Pistols. Oh, wow. Um, I'd probably uh, like them then. Buzzcocks? Like Generation that. X with Billy Idol. Sure. It's very, it's very early punk kind of stuff. I'm going to check them out. I, I love that scene. I like that sound a lot. So, all right. That's cool, you, man. You taught me something. So, wrapping this up, you know, as you were saying that you're you're a UFC guy, I'm wondering now if you're watching the fight, uh, which, you know, will have happened by the time this Absolutely. goes up. Absolutely. I don't miss any of them. So, being that we're recording this prior to the fight, what do you think is going to happen to CM Punk? You know what? I'm a fight fan, and with all respect, I don't consider the WWE <laughs> anywhere near the UFC. I agree. Even though I realize that those guys are, are, are athletes, Chris Jericho, you know, uh, Brock Lesnar, and, and, and whoever else is popular in the WWE, those guys are no joke. They could take out the majority of everybody in a fucking given bar they were standing by. But um, so I don't know a lot about him, but he was kind of like a, what, a WWE or a WWF superstar who at one point right. retired. Am I right? Yeah, he kind of went off script and was just talking a lot of shit, and I don't know, he just kind of bailed and or got fired, depending upon who you asked. Right, and so then he said, I want to try this UFC thing, and everybody said, dude, you're not fit, you're not, you know, you might be a badass, you might be strong, but one of these guys is going to kill you, right? Yeah, he's not even that big of a dude. Like he was, He's not a Lesnar, he's not an Undertaker, well, he's just it's, not. It's, that doesn't really mean... I know in the UFC it's different, I know. You don't have to be yeah, Dave Batista. Yeah, weight classes are obviously... They're very strict on that. But I did Google a little bit about it, and the guy that he was fighting that I saw from a couple weeks ago was was not, you know, with all respect, is, is no, like, UFC superstar, not even close. Yeah, okay. Kind of, you know, I, I, I would call him, like, you know, Peter McNeely or something. And, and I say that lightly. You know, he's a tomato can. He's, he's probably... If anything, it's a hand-picked guy that CM Punk probably has a good chance against. But the guy that he's fighting is only like, I don't know, one and one or two and one. I think he's two and zero, oh, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and he's got like like one or two fights in like Cage Warriors or Strike Force, and then he's got like one or two fights maybe in the UFC. Yeah, so one in the like UFC. He, he's not a, he's not no real motherfucking deal, is what I'm saying. Yeah. So, I don't really know anything about the CM Punk guy. I just heard his name. Obviously, the, the publicity they've been pushing with that, the making of a CM Punk into a UFC star or whatever, obviously that's gotten a lot of hype. So, 
So, so who, who's I, your I, pick I then? I would say it's a toss-up. I don't really okay. know anything about either one of them. All right, man. Dude, this has been a kick-ass interview. And you know what? I, I'll say this, man. When you say this isn't my life, like, dude, I get it. We, I mean, Brando and myself working in radio, we do a lot of different stuff. But it, it just is funny to me because I feel like it's it's fair to say it's an element of your life. And Metal Sludge is a Absolutely. big element of your life. So it's just it is funny to me to hear you say, you know, I don't go to shows. But I, I get it. You know, I know you're a guy who likes working out. I know you're a diehard Packer fan. And, and like, I appreciate yeah. all that you do for the site and, and all the stuff. And I, I really hope that it continues to grow, man. Yeah. So, I mean, because, like, today I'm going to work online. I'm going to send my mail order. I'm doing laundry. I actually just cleaned the lint <laughs> out of the fucking dryer. While you're a good dad. Buzz. <laughs> Tonight I'm going to watch UFC all night. Tomorrow I'm going to watch NFL all day. And unless, you know, Nikki Six gets in a car accident and is on life support, I won't even touch <laughs> Metal Sludge until Monday. Okay. So. Understandable, man. Understandable. I, I get it. Um, So, once again, for you guys, if you want to follow Stevie on Twitter, it's at Stevie Tuff, T-U-F-F, as in the band, of course. And uh, Metal Sludge is on Twitter, at Metal Sludge. Um, and anything else that you're promoting, man? Any shows? It's it's funny you do these shows like sporadically, so that that kind of makes me wonder what you do every day outside of it because it's like tough is not a full time thing, and um, you know I'm, I'm just wondering if there's no, any play, any other stuff I'll, you're promoting. I'll play, uh, you know, maybe thirty shows a year or, or give or take with a, a handful of projects. Like we did some tough stuff in the in the spring. You know, like a little Vegas Fresno, and then uh, Hollywood, we played the Rainbow Bar and Grill parking lot party, which was a, real, a fun, you know, weekend. And then we just did um, the 80s in the park in Florida a couple weeks ago. Um, we'd like Striper and Quiet Riot and Ted Poley, Danger Danger. And now next weekend, we'll do the Hair Nation Live, which is out here at Irvine Meadows, which is, will be a great great thing we did the cat house live last year yeah and serious and then, and, uh, xm is sponsoring this which is really cool that's where i right, work right hair nation live and eddie trunks gonna be the host and some other related guys from that and they're all obviously good people that support the brand um and then on october 1st we get on the monsters of rock cruise west coast monster wood and this will be our second cruise we did one on the east coast a few years ago and all those people uh, related to the Monsters of Rock crews are fucking badass. I mean, Harlan, who's the CEO of Monsters of Rock, and uh, Larry Moran's kind of like the tour, tour TM VIP guy that coordinates a lot of it. Um, we're excited for that. There's like, I don't know, fucking... 40 bands, excuse my French. You know, <laughs> now you fun. say that? <laughs> You've been cursing all show. Now excuse my French, okay. <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, excited for that. And then at the end of October, we go to do Rock and Skull, which we've done a couple, uh, we've done in the past. It's uh, in Joliet, Illinois at the Tree this year, which is just around uh, kind of the Chicago area. So we're going to do a couple of warm-up shows in Ohio, and then we're at Rock and Skull on Saturday, October 29th which is, um, that's the weekend that Piercy's going to play with his quote-unquote rodent to guest, which it's being advertised that Juan's going to be there, Carlos Cavazzo, and Greg D'Angelo as the drummer. That's big. Um, and there's been some rumor that Warren D. Martini could possibly be involved, but at this so point, that's rat. still <laughs> strictly, yeah, that's the, that's the real rat. <laughs> uh, so Rock and Skull's a great time. And then... Um, 
in November, I actually have a, a, a run with my Cheesehead band. Um, Cheeseheads with attitudes. You want to plug them. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, it's a seasonal thing. So every season, we usually do a couple of different weekends of Cheesehead shows, you know, in and around Wisconsin, close to Green Bay and the related cities for... Do you you know, during a home game. Yeah, Brando's shaking his head a little bit at, at what she says with attitude is. Do you like sing songs about Brett Favre? Like I don't like what's what's going on. With... Google it after we get off. Oh, we I... put out six records. One hundred percent will. Dozens of songs on iTunes. We have dozens of audio and actual MTV style videos on YouTube. Um, we basically take popular songs like Weird Al Yankovic and make parodies. So like the most recent hit if you want to call it that we had was a few years back we did packer face which is a parody of poker face by Lady Gaga. <laughs> that's so cool oh, I, I love it's it badass i'm, I'm absolutely so gonna google it she's heads a few times a year um and then um in december we're gonna play a few shows in ohio cleveland and cincinnati at the kenny oz fest on december 3rd and then the following weekend we're gonna play Oklahoma City on Friday, December 9th with Pretty Boy Floyd. And then on December 10th, we're going to play the Hair Metal Holiday in Dallas, Texas with Slaughter, Kicks, King's X, Lynch Mob, Bullet Boys, Tough, Pretty Boy Floyd, Lillian Axe, and a couple others. That's awesome. a good lineup. Yeah, real seriously. Yeah, so basically between now and the end of the year, we have a couple of things a month. And um, most of them are just kind of weekend runs, get away, have some fun, you know? I mean, Stevie, this has just been awesome. I mean, uh, I, you've taken the time, and we hope that maybe you'll come on again because we want to just talk about more about because like hair metal, like whether Guns N' Roses is a hair metal band or what Alice Chains used to be. But we'd be here all day, and I know you have a lot of lint to uh, to get to. Yeah, well, it's all good. I, <laughs> hey, I appreciate the shout out. Send me your stuff. Tweet it to me, uh, you know, at Stevie Tough and at Metal Sludge, and I'll share it. And you know, hopefully, some people will. Uh, get off on hearing some of my babble related to <laughs> hey you're an inspiration i mean because you you started this uh this website before the internet was really you know this internet thing uh, was really big and we're now we're right. we're just getting into the game <laughs> in 2016 so uh we're definitely taking a page out of your book so to speak of just telling it like it is and about the bands that we love and then criticizing ourselves at the same time. So in, in the vein of Stevie Rochelle, that's what we're trying to do here. So again, thank you All so good, much man. for the time. Thank you guys. Very appreciated. Appreciate it, man. Talk soon, buddy. Okay. Be well, man. Wow. We could have spoken to Stevie for, for hours, but I know he's, he's got kids to feed and, and, and do all those things. Yeah. So, what, what an awesome dude. I, I knew he had a lot of stories because the first, you know, I've loved the site for a while, but the first time I heard um, Stevie interviewed was on Earl Skakel's podcast, Inappropriate Earl, uh, who's been involved in the roast battles and all that and does a great job. But he had so many stories with Earl, which was kind of why I was like, this guy would be perfect. And and I thought he did an awesome job. And I like how my first question was about the dick chart. <laughs> I, I just again, you know, I loved how he painted the scene of the early days of the internet. And I'm dial I'm using dial up to find out how big Rockstar's dicks were. I wasn't getting hard. Relax. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I was I was uh, insecure and, and curious. I want. I think know. everybody was curious. Though. I mean, it was a big part of the site. He had he had no problem. And there weren't sites like Perez Hilton and, and TMZ and 
and and real like sex tapes back then. So y- you it- talking about this reminds me though. Uh, on Earl Skagel's podcast, he asked about the same thing, and he was talking about it that he remembered some of the comments, and one that that stood out to him was that there was a member of Quiet Riot uh, on the penis chart, and the comment was like, "There's no riot going on in his pants." <laughs> <laughs> the shocking thing to me, actually, like there was. I, I happen to know a lot about him and the site, and hopefully a lot of other people now, you know, are more familiar because of the interview. Um, but I, I was honestly kind of shocked that he was like, I, you know, I don't go to shows anymore. I wasn't even at the Guns N' Roses show. I'm like, really, dude? Like, you know more about this band than than I do. I was too, and I would have been more shocked if I didn't hear uh, that interview recently, which is funny how he mentioned that. Between uh, with Axel and Duff on Brazilian TV, that the interviewer asked the same question, and Axel had said that he doesn't really go to shows, even you know how he's a big sports guy. Apparently, uh, you know that's why sometimes he was late watching like NBA games or whatever, and Ninja Turtles too. Apparently, <laughs> uh, that he'd rather watch sports at home for all the close-ups, and so that's weird. I mean, if Axel Rose, you think that's his life? I why you know? I get it for him though I will say like if you're he's been consistently on the road for years well, there's yeah, well, a small break yeah. in between old GNR to what we call new GNR Axel and friends whatever you want to call it but for the most part he's been consistently on the road since the mid 80s uh I think the last thing you want to do when you're you know relaxing on your downtime is go to another show I kind of get that you know what though is weird I don't know if you do this especially since you're not a sports person is that I'm, I, I you know I like the I Mets, mean, but we were playing awesome, by the way. But not a sports radio person. No, that, not at that, all. That, Definitely not a sports radio person. Yeah, no, and I am. And I will watch sports radio on TV. You know, I'm a big fan of uh, Boomer Carton here in New York and the Michael K show. And, and seeing Tom. how many Diet Cokes that are Diet Pepsis Mike Francesa. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of his. He's too mean to his, his listeners. I don't find... Whatever. I'm, I loved when he... F- fell asleep on oh, the air. Oh, I mean, that's, that's brilliant. And he worked hard, so maybe that's why he fell asleep, but that's just like, you, he you denies remember, it. Do you remember all the listeners breaking his balls yeah. for like weeks following that? Hilarious. You know, it's funny that um, our morning, should I say our um, station I work for, WBAB here on Long Island. Um, Views and opinions. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> right. Uh, our producer, Brett, he does a great Francesca impersonation. And actually, he did. Uh, he pretended to be Francesa talking about Tebow joining the Mets and how God's going to be a third base coach or whatever. That's on. Uh, that's on the WBAB app. If you want to check out that clip, nice. My program director will be happy with that plug. But uh, speaking of plugs, uh, that's a weird thing out of context. I have to listen to this because he mentioned because I'm a massive Lady Gaga fan. She came uh, out with a new song. Uh, she, he mentioned the Cheeseheads, the CWA Cheeseheads with Attitude. His cover band, the yeah. Packer face, poker face. So I brought it up on YouTube. Can I play like a little bit? Yeah, of Yeah, and the one thing I will say, it, pretty uh, impressive number of views on it. Yeah, it's got a uh, wow, almost uh, three hundred thousand, and it's mainly like thumbs up. It's not like Rebecca Black. <laughs> All right, it's obviously parody. Okay, that's Mamanmanasha. That's a town. All right, it's not gibberish. These are towns. Towns in Wisconsin. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. I could see how 
the Packer fans. This <laughs> is great. You would never think the the singer, if you will, for this band was in a hair, you know, hair band. Yeah. From the late '80s, early '90s. I mean. You know what? Because that's all they got in Green Bay are the Packers, and I believe even the, the fans have a stake, um, a stock in in the. In, it's like a like a, uh, a publicly funded uh, team. Like I think they own part of the Packers, which is kind of badass. So it's because I, I I get the appeal too of doing this because just like we're a fan of Guns and Roses, and we want to do something with. Well, you that. see a lot of these sports parodies out there. Yeah. So I mean, but the fact that you have somebody who is a professional musician, I know he doesn't do it as much as he used to. Uh, doing this, so I think that's kind of cool. And but I'm saying it, it's it's a side project of something he's a fan of that he's actually been able to like make a little bit of money with too, from what I hear. Which is what we're aiming for, just not musically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and you know what? It's actually got to be kind of cool as him being a guy in California who probably you know is looking to find fellow cheeseheads in in the state that want to watch Packer games, and I'm sure that there's a community there actually. Uh, I have a friend in Queens who's a huge Packer fan, and like they get together and go to games in New York. So yeah, no, there's the all Packer, these communities like that. Yeah, the Packers are are one of those teams that you'll have fans all across. So that, I think that's what it's good when you you talk to these people who do you know as we discussed you know he he's more than just the the magazine and he's more than just the the, the guy from Tough. He does all these things. And same thing for us. We've talked about, you know, uh, the Ninja Turtles <laughs> yeah. and mental disorders. Why those are the first two things that come to my head or whatever. <laughs> and and I think that's why we like dissecting this band. And, and we mentioned that probably in the first episode, why you, we identify with Axel and the music. It's not just what's on the surface. It's all the layers underneath. So um, with. Oh, with, yeah. I mean, and, and the music has, has gotten through us through so many times. I mean, sure. we, we kind of mention that every now and again. But I mean, if I'm. Going through a tough time in my life, put on estranged, and that song always speaks to me. Yeah, no, it, I, I I perfectly understand that and, and agree with it, and then it's that's why we're we're doing a Guns N' Roses podcast. Yeah, and I think that's why I may see uh, Axel DC next week because he's kind of with that voice and knowing that he and it's funny his his uh, his agent uh, Fernando. He kind of, it's so funny, now he's taken on the Axel personality and lashing out. I don't know if you read the interview that he just put out um, to ACDC fans that are still not cool with this yeah. idea. Uh, just saying that they need to get over it and stop being selfish. And he's doing a, um, you know, Brian is sick and he wanted to leave. And, that, and I like how he phrased it. Axel is filling in for his hero. So I like the fact, and you're in, and if you have a chance, and it's on our Twitter and our Facebook, the interview that Axel and Slash, excuse me, Axel and Duff did on Brazilian TV, when Axel will play the clip right now um, about the future of Axel DC, uh, the smile on Duff's face, you know, when he's talking about it, that they're all just digging that he's doing this. So uh, as now that that's the immediate future for Axel Rose, of course we know the future of Guns R- well. Sort of the future for Guns N' Roses, the meaning just the tours. We don't know everything that's going to happen. Sure, uh, with Izzy and Stephen, but we already talked about that stuff. So, uh, when asked about the future of ACDC, uh, here's what Axel had to say: As long as uh, Angus wants to do it, and uh-huh. as long as uh, you know, and we can make it work. Uh, Guns is really supportive about it, um, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's a bit radical. I, it's I, pretty radical. radical. I love radical. It, is it, that it, Duff it, saying that? Yeah. I love that. It's my job. I love that Angus is my boss, and and it's you know singing the uh, singing the early Brian songs, the first the first couple albums yeah. with Brian. It's like 
those are something else to sing. So it's a, it's physically uh, a different animal and and another kind of work. And I I take pride in doing it, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But it's and it's a it's it's a hard thing. So then after in its own way. So after this, then there's a, like a, a few days, and then I'll do another ten shows with ACDC. Mm -hmm. And after that, it's kind of whatever Angus wants to do. All right. I like the, the jingling that keeps happening. Yeah. When did the, when did Axel turn into Madonna with all like the the bracelets and like the little like uh, lace glove? Like, when is that? When did that become his thing? Yeah, I, I remember I said to you, and I already know like the people who get offense, offended by anything we might say, uh, demeaning, you know, but I, I don't mean this in a bad way, but I said like Axel's hands remind me of Liberace when you see like <laughs> him playing the piano. And after I said that, I started YouTubing some Liberace and Axel's hands are actually way more over the top. Like he's got way more rings and bracelets going on. Uh, and you know, some would say he looks like a pimp. That too, of course. He's, it's a totally different look than than '80s Axel. I know. I'm just wondering where the inspiration for that came from. But I guess that's another topic for another day. Having a lot of money, you could afford a lot of. I guess cool so. Jewelry, I, I guess. believe there are um, topic discussions on Axel Axel's wardrobe on my GNR. Like it's even got. So it's not just us thinking yeah. that. I just think that's unique. That it's it's I've always Axel's wardrobe has always been a, a point of conversation, but just the amount of, of of rings, it's just like, whoa! Like, do you go to sleep with that? Do you do you have a certain amount that you wake up? Like, do you have a jewelry <laughs> box? I mean, there's so many questions. Every <laughs> every interview he does, you do hear the like it the sounds like he's jingling. Yeah, yeah. Every, I know. I I have to imagine. I mean, does that take time out of his day in the morning? Like, it's just. <laughs> and you I already know, know. Inquiring minds must and, know. And you already know that there's some sound guy who like wants to tell him to the tone sound. it down or something, <laughs> but they don't want to piss him off. I, <laughs> I can't get imagine that sound guy. The boom mic is like, stop shaking your hands. <laughs> What if he was Italian, talking with his hands moving around? <laughs> That'd be crazy. But um, this has been an awesome interview uh, and an episode uh, that we've done. A lot discussed. A lot has happened. Uh, Lord knows what's going to happen in between now and our, our next episode, which, as we say, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out when it happens. We appreciate all the feedback that we've we've gotten and the interactions on, on Twitter and, and Facebook and you know the uh, the iTunes reviews. Please keep. Uh, I mean, we're flattered. The fact that we're getting like five stars and uh, it's just like wow. Yeah, leave, leave us an iTunes review. I'd say is the biggest thing. Of course, follow us on Twitter at the AFD Show on Facebook at you know at the AFD Show. Appetite for Distortion with Brando and Scotto. Uh, iHeartRadio app as yeah. well. The iTunes reviews though are huge because I'd like to break into that top. 150 whatever it is because then new people could check it out and be like all right i like this and you know and, and the i brand think, continues to grow and i think that will give us more legitimacy to get bigger guests because as we mentioned uh bobby blotzer in the show and i uh, whatever he, he rejected us yeah who was he i didn't even know who he was he, yeah he was the drummer bobby for a very blotzer for a band that that headlined arenas for i don't know years. who the fuck he was before <laughs> this so the fact that he rejected us he could suck my bows so i don't know maybe I will, well, i'll start a few with him i don't care um so yeah if we get up there in itunes rankings maybe we'll have more legitimacy that we can get other washed up drummers 
<laughs> Sorry, I was so mad. Off like breaking fourth walls. We always do. Like I sent Ian. Fuck Bobby Watson in an email. Like, God dare he reject us? I mean, who knows? Maybe he just like didn't want to you know what? Guns I, Roses. At least he gave us a response. I thought that was cool. All right, I fair mean, enough. We didn't Whatever. get a response yet from Gilby or uh, who else did I reach out to? Or um, uh, what, uh, Tracy, Tracy Guns. I don't think I reached out to Tracy yet. Gilby. Or Matt Storm. Matt Storm, I reached out to. Okay. And and, back, and, so we'll see. Yeah, we tried Melissa Reese, but obviously she's super busy. It is what it is. We'll get good people on, but like to me, Stevie was, you know, like top five people I wanted to get on, honestly, and, and we did it. So. We're still in our infancy of this podcast, so any questions, comments, concerns, please let us know. And as far as the next episode is concerned, in the words of Axel Rose to Kurt Loder concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon's the word, but you'll see it. You've been listening to the distorted minds of Brando and Scotto, dissecting all things Guns N' Roses on Appetite for Distortion. Follow the guys on Twitter at The AFD Show and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The AFD Show. security, I'm going home.